0: Hello oh, and welcome. As part of a support package for the transition to personal tutoring at a distance, the Centre for Education Support and Innovation and academic colleagues from across the university are creating a number of resources, including a series of podcasts. The first series of podcasts is examining school based approaches to personal tutoring at a distance and will include a discussion of areas with experienced colleagues from different colleges. My name is Samantha Holloway, and I'm a reader in the School of Medicine. I'm also the senior personal tutor for postgraduate taught studies in the School of Medicine. In today's episode, I'm speaking to Meredith Gattis, who is a professor and senior personal tutor in the School of Psychology. Meredith has been an academic member of staff since 2002. Meredith is also a fellow of the Learned Society of Wales. Welcome, Meredith.
1: Thank you, Samantha.
0: So I'd like to start by asking you, what has been your approach to personal tutoring in the School of Psychology?
1: So if I could sum it up in one word, I'd say balance. We aim for a balance between providing students with structured guidance about their personal development and being responsive to specific needs or moments in time. So we're aiming for a balance between structure and responsivity. Mm-hmm. Personal tutors have timetabled meetings with students at the beginning and end of each semester. For students in the first year, there's an additional timetabled meeting in the middle of each semester. And at the beginning of the year, we provide guidance to students and tutors about tasks and topics to discuss at each of the meetings. Mm-hmm. The guidance is targeting three types of skills in a recursive fashion. We want to introduce the skills broadly at first, and then we want to help students develop specific aims for those skill areas. The three skill areas we're targeting are learning skills, evaluation skills and communication skills. Each of the meetings that students, students and tutors have focus on just one skill. Students are asked to prepare for the meetings. It might be, for example, that we give them a checklist about their approaches to studying or um, we might ask them to review their feedback from their marked coursework. Um, Sometimes we might even ask them to prepare a short and informal presentation. Mm. So the aim of the guidance is to help students improve their understanding and their mastery of skills that we know influence their performance at university and beyond. And we want to help tutors facilitate that process for students tutors are free to adapt the meetings to their personal style. So again, there's flexibility and responsiveness, in this case to tutors. So for example, some tutors prefer to meet with students in groups and other students prefer, other tutors prefer to meet with students individually. Um, And of course, nearly every student will have an individual meeting or more than one at one time or another in addition to these timetabled meetings. Mm -hmm. But having the timetabled meetings creates contact between tutors and students in a way that includes an agenda, some predictability, and that in turn ensures that students are comfortable if they have a personal need and need to contact their tutor to meet with him or her.
0: Okay, thank you very much. So, in terms of remote tutoring, what would you say makes an effective remote tutoring environment?
1: So, for this one, I have to tell you that I surveyed our tutors (laughs) to see what issues have come up during the pandemic and how they've dealt with them. Mm -hmm. Our tutors have been using Microsoft Teams to meet with students remotely. And for most tutors, that meeting took place as timetabled, according to the plan that I just told you about, Mm -hmm. um, and in a small group format. One tutor told me that he emailed students in advance. He specifically asked them to turn on their cameras and mute their microphones he did this at the beginning so that students had some idea of how to expect to begin the meeting Mm -hmm. um, and also to prepare them for the fact that they should be turning their cameras on something that we know is an issue in these kinds of remote meetings. Mm -hmm. He also told students that he was expecting them to talk and he pointed out that they'd find it more enjoyable and more beneficial to everyone if everyone talked. Mm -hmm. Um, So By doing that in advance, he also included a little bit of humor. He joked about students needing to tidy up their bedroom or choose their virtual backdrop, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, He gave them some expectations um, and that increases the effectiveness of the remote tutoring environment. Um, Some tutors said that their students used a mix of chat functions and talking. Mm -hmm. And they said that helped keep the conversation going. It made allowance for students who might be anxious, for example, about talking online in a group. Mm. Um, And some basically felt like that meant it even went better than it might otherwise. Mm. Another tutor said, it's just about adapting. Cameras on feels like we're making more of a connection, but sometimes there's issues with broadband. And in that case, we had to turn cameras off. Mm. So there's no single answer, but it's definitely about preparation, setting expectations, and probably using a little bit of humour always helps.
0: Yeah, because it's bringing that human side to things and that social element that you would do if you were meeting face to face perhaps.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
0: Thank you. So kind of building on that really, um, thinking about approaches to building our rapport with students and maybe how that's changed in an online environment.
1: Okay. So um, I think, again, I'm going to come back to expectations. Mm -hmm. Communicating in advance to students what you expect from them and what they can expect from you is really essential for building rapport. Mm -hmm. It establishes clear expectations for everyone. It helps create a sense of reliability and trust between students and tutors. From student feedback on tutoring, we know that that kind of Um, Reliability and trust is really essential from the student's Mm -hmm. perspective. So part of that has to do then back with our idea of setting up a timetable. When we have a timetable for tutoring, students know when they'll see their tutor. They don't have to wonder, is my tutor too busy? Mm -hmm. Something like that. That Mm -hmm. also helps with rapport. After the pandemic began, most tutors still followed the timetable and they still followed the guidance. But again, adaptability was key. Mm-hmm. So one, one tutor said she found the skills-focused content worked better in this new situation than it had in some of the face-to-face meetings. Mm-hmm. It compensated for the lack of physical co-presence, she said. She's a, a communication expert, you might be able to tell from that description. (laughs) Um, And she said um, she simply told everyone in advance she'd like them to have a go at answering the question in turn. Mm -hmm. So not in a pushy way, but in a way that really lets students know what to expect. Um, And she said this actually got every student to contribute, even students who'd normally be silent during Mm -hmm. tutoring meetings. Mm -hmm. So she had the impression that they're actually more comfortable. Mm So the balance um, of how time was spent during meetings did shift tutors told me. Mm-hmm. Um, normally our tutors I would say spend about 10 or 15 minutes out of a 50-minute meeting talking about coursework and deadlines with students, answering their questions, the sort of you know day-to-day tell me what's happening, can, mm-hmm. are there any questions I could answer sort of thing. But In the context of the pandemic, those issues took up much more of the meeting. Mm -hmm. Students wanted a chance partly just to unwind, to talk about their reaction to the pandemic in general, to talk about specific issues about how their degrees were being affected. In some cases, you know, with no real knowledge of what was going to happen, Mm -hmm. but being able to talk with their tutor at that point and just say, I'm really concerned made a huge difference. Um, Some students, of course, were concerned about graduation, about the value of their marks, about their own lack of motivation, about worries about the future. There were really a lot of things to discuss. So flexibility, adaptation, again, really, really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, to some extent that can also be built into helping students think about their own adaptability mm-hmm. so, so students learn when staff are adaptable something about adaptability in general mm-hmm. it also sets the stage for a conversation about adaptability mm-hmm. so I think you know looking ahead we, we now know we never know what's ahead right <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. one thing we've learned so far yeah, absolutely. Um, And the specific concerns, the specific circumstances are going to be changing. But the important thing is that we give students clear guidance Mm -hmm. and we give them an opportunity to raise questions that are arising as and when they
0: encounter them. Mm, Absolutely, yes, some very important messages there. Um, So building on thinking about student expectations, what advice would you give about establishing boundaries and managing student expectations for online tutoring?
1: Sure. I think this is something that, you know, tutors may often be concerned about, Um, but I saw a post on Twitter um, from a student at another university that I think might give student perspective on it the student had written who needs a boyfriend when my university emails me every day to check on how I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really funny but it also makes a point about the value of being proactive with students clearly that student Mm. was feeling you know very um, in touch with the university Mm. Um, and I think when tutors are proactive there's less need for concerns about establishing boundaries and managing student expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're on the front foot, um, that really makes a big difference to that whole situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't had any complaints from our tutors about these issues. Um, And I think really we can attribute that to the fact that our students hear from their tutors and other academic staff regularly. So communicating clearly and proactively that's really the best way I can think of to set clear expectations and boundaries.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, in terms of strategies for facilitating student engagement with personal tutoring, have you got any suggestions on around that?
1: Um, I, f- I feel like I'm you know, coming to the same points over and over again, but oh, I want to say, <laughs> you know, um, provide structure timetable student meetings with personal tutors Um, send reminders sometimes you need to send extra reminders Mm -hmm. actually most of the time you need to send extra reminders (laughs) um, especially in the context of remote tutoring Mm. so everyone finds it more difficult to keep track of time now um, and students might need a quick reminder it's that simple I think sometimes
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very practical advice. That's, but it's really (laughs) important. (laughs) Um, and just thinking again, some more practicalities, I guess, about whether you've got any advice about keeping records of personal tutoring meetings, you know, either how you currently do it, or do you see there being any change uh, because of moving to remote tutoring? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think this is a really important issue to tutors. Tutors are very busy and they, see record keeping as something that's time consuming. Mm -hmm. And to whatever extent you can centralize record keeping, you can save time for everyone, keep tutors happy, which in turn keeps students happy, (laughs) and so on. (laughs) Um, So for example, if you timetable student meetings with personal tutors, that creates a record. Mm -hmm. Um, And tutors simply can then refer back to that record. They can make a note of any students who failed to attend any additional issues that arose they might make some notes about what they should come back to at the next meeting something like that um, yeah. so make it easy for everyone
0: yeah so it's a way of monitoring engagement in some ways as well isn't it really and I yeah. and should say keeping an eye on students not in a punitive way but just to check that they're doing okay
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So so the last question really is around um, does all personal tutoring have to be synchronous in a real time or are there strategies to encourage students to undertake reflective activities asynchronously which can then feed into a personal tutor meeting?
1: You've hit on something I think that's so, so important. Um, Personal tutoring without reflection is just missing a tremendously valuable opportunity Mm -hmm. for students. Um, So we encourage our students to engage in reflection. And in particular, we try to focus this for students because I think students sometimes find that a very fuzzy phrase. They don't Mm -hmm. really know what you're asking them to do. Um, So we encourage them to develop their self-evaluation skills. Self-evaluation skills is one of the three skill sets that we focus on in our Mm -hmm. guidance for students. And we know from a wide variety of research from people in psychology, from people in education, from people in the social sciences, that self-evaluation skills can improve learning and performance, not only in formal education, but also in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And employers really want to see those skills. So we explain to students that self-evaluation is an important form of feedback we try to get them to stop thinking about feedback as only something that comes from other people, Mm -hmm. um, but also something that comes from themselves. So we might do that by, for example, first getting them to look at written feedback that they get from a tutor on a course in response to coursework they've submitted. Um, But we also encourage them to think of it as their own skill, including not just about their coursework, which sometimes turns into, did I get the mark I think I deserve? Mm -hmm. Um, But also in terms of their revision, because in the revision context, I think it becomes much more clear to students that self-evaluation is about, have I really nailed it? Mm -hmm. Do I understand this? Are there bits I don't understand? Where am I just kind of making it up? Um, So self-evaluation is part and parcel of revision. Um, And again, we know this from Mm -hmm. lots of research. Um, So we try to talk with them about what kind of self-evaluation they might use during revision, how that might change with different examination formats or assessment formats. Um, I guess in general, we try to get them to recognize that reflection isn't just an emotional skill, which I think is where students have usually heard the term Mm -hmm. before. It's also a really valuable cognitive skill. Mm -hmm. So if my practice essay doesn't fulfill the criteria for a 65, um, and that's the mark I'm aiming for, self-evaluation using the assessment criteria can help me detect that discrepancy and address it. Mm -hmm. So rather than simply grumbling about my mark and saying (laughs) I deserved a better one, Mm -hmm. I can build on my feeling that I'm unsatisfied with my mark and then use my self-evaluation skills to improve my outcome. Mm. Um, So I think this kind of task for students is a really excellent sort of thing for them to engage in before they meet with their personal tutor. Once they've engaged, even if it's just a five-minute task with some sort of self-evaluation, once they're there in the meeting with the tutor, they're prepared for a much more active and more beneficial exchange.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting, thank you.